Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Two weeks ago, Arena Sabalenka had to sit and watch as Iga Swiatek lifted the trophy in Stuttgart, got the keys to that Porsche, but she didn't have to wait long to exact her revenge. 13 days, as a matter of fact, they would meet again in Madrid, another final, and this time, the world number two would flip the script on the world number one. Sabalenka, your champion in Madrid, as we welcome you to this championship edition of Tennis Channel Live. Saturday in Santa Monica, Chanda Rubin is here in the studio. Andy Roddick is joining us from the home office, as he always does. Hi to both of you, Chanda. You just called the match. I think if you're like most of us, when Sabalenka squandered the three-love lead in the third and Sviantek got back to even, we all probably thought the same thing. We revert to the mean. The world number one is going to take over, but that is not what happened. No, Sabalenka has showed us something completely different, and she's been doing it all year. I mean, it's how she won her first major title in Australia. She just had that belief in the tightest moments. She found some of her best tennis, and she did it again against Iga Sviantek, but it's so much more impressive to do it on red clay, on a surface where Sviantek is so difficult to get past, and Sviantek didn't make it easy. I mean, she made some incredible returns, got it back to Deuce. You thought, okay, is Sabalenka going to falter? Is she going to lose that little extra faith uh, that she can get through this match? But she didn't. She was rock solid, and I think it was even more impressive because it was so tough down the stretch. Andy, the word that came to my mind was panic. Was Sabalenka going to panic when that lead evaporated in the third set? She was cool as a cucumber. Yeah, she's she's just different this year, Brett. I mean, it, it, throughout the throughout the course of her career, we've seen the big shots. We know that she can hit it uh, harder than anyone uh, on tour. But you also would sometimes see that panic come come into her brain a little bit. You could almost see it manifest in her play. And she's just different this year. What a match! It was an absolute pleasure to sit on my couch in my living room and consume this quality tennis from these two ladies. I mean, what a match. And this is Chan is absolutely right. This just makes the lead into the French Open mm -hmm. and kind of the conversations around the French Open that much more exciting. Now, as well as Sabalenka played, it will be different. This is the best clay court she's going to get as far as conditions to uh, attack Igas Fiatek with the altitude, with the dryness. Uh, and with the, the clay playing a little bit faster, but I cannot wait for them to play again. This is the start of a beautiful rivalry, and I just was amazed by the level of tennis today. Yeah, it's her second title in Madrid. She beat Ash Barty, number one in the world two years ago when she won the Madrid title, now beats number one again, her fourth career win over number one. She's different this year. That's the phrase that Andy just used. This match, Arena Sabalenka circa two years ago, not as fit, not as confident, maybe doesn't come through this match. You know, I think so much has come together, and a lot of it 
seems to be the mental and emotional side for Arena Sabalenka. Obviously, you get fit, you get fitter, you feel like you can last a bit longer. That helps you mentally. Uh, so I think there's that element. She knows she's done the work and she deserves to be in the place she's in. But it's still another jump when you have that kind of belief in yourself where some of those doubts start to creep in as they inevitably, inevitably do for every player, especially when you have that much resistance. But Sabalenka, she just seems to have another level of confidence in herself. And when you consider the extra margin she's getting, I mean, there's some technical things she's improving as well. And it has, the sum total of it, it's just been amazing. She won her first Grand Slam title this year. It's been 20 years since you won your first Grand Slam title, Andy. I'm curious what you think comes first. It's a chicken or egg question. Does Sabalenka have swagger now because she's a major champion? Or is she a major champion now because she has more swagger? Well, here's what I like to see, Brett, is is it what she's doing now, it looks so intentional from where we're sitting, right? Come back this year, and the serve looks a little bit different, looks a little bit cleaner, the rhythm's in place. You can kind of do the one, three, one two, three count, and it always matches up the same, right? The flow of the serve uh, is great. She looks fitter. Instantly in Australia, you could tell she put in the work uh, uh, during the offseason, and you love to see that rewarded. And the third thing that is so obvious is something that Chanda just mentioned is she's playing just as aggressively, but with way more margin, mm -hmm. right? The winners that she's hitting now, are they seem to happen as opposed to her kind of stepping up and, and trying to hit winners. They're in the context of the point. So what you like to see is someone that is intentional about the work they're putting in, actually doing the hours, and then seeing the reward, it's so obvious from where, where we're sitting. And she deserves this bit of success that she's having, for sure. It's amazing to see. All right, we're going to show you the trophy presentation in its entirety in just a minute. But we want to show you how this match unfolded, which requires a little context. We rewind two weeks to Stuttgart. It was a 6-3, 6-4 win for Sviantec in their seventh meeting against one another. So Iga, at that point, had won five out of the seven. It left Sabalenka having to sit there and watch as Iga lifted the trophy, got the keys to the Porsche. He did a little uh, fake trophy smash into the window of the... No, you can't do that with the Porsche people looking on. She held her trophy back, but then 13 days later, she got her revenge. Well, this is what you want as a player is to get another shot. And in such a big match with everything at stake, just seemed like Sabalinka came out with that type of motivation. She wanted to turn it around. She didn't want to lose to Sviantec again. And it was the serve that was so dominant. She was able to get some three points, some unreturnables, and some critical moments. Got that first set. That was a real advantage. But then Sviantec completely turned the tables. And here at 3-all, this was another opportunity for Sabalinka but Sviantec again stepped in and took it was able to hold serve that was key and she was able to run off with that second set but in the third it was a hard reset from Sabalenka early on toe to toe got to three all Sabalenka held and then she went to work had break point opportunities there again and this time she would get it and you felt like Okay, this has got to be Sabalenka's moment, but it still wasn't easy, Brett. Amazing defense from Sviantec. She kept holding Sabalenka off, but this is the renewed confidence, the belief, the fitness, the ability of Sabalenka to just stay the course. I mean, there were some blistering returns from Sviantec that we were just wowed by. But finally, Sabalenka, she kept battling, kept giving herself opportunities, using her serve beautifully, and there, able to close it out. Championship point.
and it was incredible. So fifth career 1,000 level title for Sabalenka. She improves to 29 and four on the year. She improves to five and two against top 10 opposition for Sviantec. It is just her fifth loss of the year. She's already spoken in her post-match press. but I'm not on that level. You don't want to hear that. Um, congrats, Arena. Amazing match. Um, you always, you know, play such an intense tennis and um, every match is a challenge. So congrats. You fully deserve it. Um, we both have a great season, so hopefully we're, there are going to be many more finals uh, when we play against each other. Um, well, I want to thank my team. Uh, we had pretty amazing uh, two and a half weeks coming back from injury and playing so solid. Um, it's also because of you guys, so thank you. Uh, thank you to my family as well. Um, <laughs> even with, oh, <laughs> uh, I want to thank you guys for coming and enjoying tennis with us. Um, I really saw Madrid from a different side this year. Last time I was here, it was in COVID, so um, it's a really beautiful city and it's a pleasure to play here in front of you guys. It's not fun to play at 1 a.m. though, so uh, I'm happy anyway that I was able to get, get past this experience and survive and be in the finals. So thank you for your support and for your energy. It really meant a lot. And see you next year. El trofeo de subcampeona Doña Inmaculada Sanz, delegada del área de gobierno, portavoz seguridad y emergencias del Ayuntamiento de Madrid. Y ahora llamamos a la campeona de esta edición del Mutua Madrid Open en categoría femenina, Arina Zabalenka. Thank you guys and uh, first of all congrats on another another great tournament uh, I mean you and your team and as you said it's, it's, all, it's always tough battles against each other you, you always push me to the limit and uh, yeah I hope we're gonna keep uh, keep playing many more times this season and thank you everyone who make this uh, tournament happen uh, thank you referees both bulky it's uh, tournament director I think it's all because of yesterday cake. It was too good. <laughs> yeah, um, of course. Uh, thank you, my team, for always being always being there for me. Always uh, trying a lot of new things. Always, uh, yeah, love me. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you, Costa. Your support is uh, the best support. Thank you so much and. Thank you, everyone, for us, for the, to the atmosphere. Um, yeah, as I said, you guys make this tournament special. I really enjoy playing in front of you. Yeah, thank you.
Right, so nice comments from both finalists. Here's what it means for Sabalenka's career. We mentioned fifth career, 1,000-level title, her 13th overall in her 23rd final. About 29 match wins this year in her third title of the year on top of the two down under in Adelaide and the Australian Open. Uh, it was a blockbuster start to the year for Arena Sabalenka. And when you consider we're just in, in May, beginning of May, and she's already got 29 wins uh, under her belt, of course, leading the tour in that department. And just the style of play. She can play such dominant tennis. And it's going to be fun to see how her year continues to unfold. But certainly the chance that she gives herself on the red clay of Paris. She has got to be bursting with confidence after this one. Her forehand, Andy, and I, I say this advisedly to a guy who had one of the biggest forehands the sport has ever seen, is a monster weapon, maybe, maybe the biggest weapon in women's tennis right now. Yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly up there. I don't know how you judge, uh, you know, her being able to hit through the court, vicious ego with the spin profile that she's able to, to do. But check this out. In the third set, Brett, you know, this is where Arena having uh, letting Spiatek off the hook a little bit, but still committing to her shots. And that's a forehand winner with five feet from the baseline and five feet from the sideline, Brett. This is what I'm talking about with margin. She is going after the ball, but these are passing ego, and they're not risky shots. The pace is something that she can create naturally. That shouldn't feel like a risk factor to her. And look at on the run. That's the fitness we've been talking about, getting in and out of the corners. None of these shots is one where you're going, oh, wow, the risk profile of that is, is, is intense. These are all uh, three feet from the baseline, three feet from the sideline, but still getting past her opponent, one of the best movers uh, in the history of the women's game with Igas Fiatek. So just different, Brett. Different this year. Doesn't look risky. Com in complete control of her game, in complete control of her emotions. Seems like the team is settled. Uh, she's just taken a, a, a she's just gone to another level. It's interesting, and the rivalry is so compelling to us for, among other reasons, the fact that their styles of play, these two champions, are so different. Did Sviantek at any point in this match get baited, in your opinion, into trying to match Sabalenka's power? I think she did. I think that was the challenge, and she could not do it consistently enough, but certainly to be able to go toe-to-toe, -to, -toe, to try to go hard into the Sabalenka forehand, to put her more on defense and counter some of that power, that was what Sviantek tried at moments, but it just didn't work. And you look at how big the forehand was, the backhand was big as well and did some damage, but but, you know, for Sviantek, that's, I think, going to be what she goes back to consider. We saw her try to go to the wide serve to get out mm -hmm. to the Sabalenka forehand. She couldn't quite do that consistently, couldn't quite get enough break on that ball. So, you know, I think this is the type of match, the beginnings of this rivalry that can force both players, but right now, Sviantek, to go back to the drawing board and look at some things she can add to do a little bit better against this opponent. Andy, you mentioned the team is settled for Sabalenka, and it's interesting because Anton Dubrov, who started out as her hitting partner and then in 2020 got promoted to full coach, submitted his resignation last year to Sabalenka in the midst of those service yips when she was kind of going off the rails and losing the plot. And Sabalenka, to her credit, said, no, I don't accept. It's not your fault that I've got the service yips. I've got to solve this problem on my own. How much respect do we gain for Sabalenka for, for taking that responsibility on herself? Well, well, also, listen, it's, it's a weird dynamic with, uh, with the player and coach because we basically, we, as players, we pay someone to tell us what to do, which is a weird dynamic, right? <laughs> the mm -hmm. salary is coming directly from the player. So credit to Dubrov for actually saying, no, I don't know if this is working. Is Sabalenka then forcing her to take some ownership over what was going on as opposed to, you know, blaming someone else on the court or maybe, uh, you know, be getting frustrated 
uh, a little bit too early, but this was fascinating to watch. And as this rivalry grows, you see, you start seeing adjustments to the adjustments to the adjustments to the adjustments, <laughs> which is kind of what you mentioned with Sviantec kind of upping the risk profile a little bit too much at times. I felt like she was trying to match uh, Sabalenka going lines. I'm curious if she doesn't start playing off that backhand side if Sabalenka goes big hard down the middle, not give uh, Sabalenka the kind of angles to work with. As Sabalenka has improved getting in and out of the corners, you're going to have to find different ways to make her force from places that maybe she doesn't want to force from. But uh, great adjustment by Sabalenka team. And, you know, Spiatek's team, it's, it's your turn now. All right, let's show you what it means in terms of the live WTA rankings in the race for number one at year's end. It doesn't change anything materially. Sviantec remains at number one. In fact, uh, nearly 2,000 points, the difference between them, and that's because neither one of them had any points to defend. Sviantec didn't play Madrid last year, and Sabalenka lost in the first round, ironically, to Amanda Anasimova, about whom we're going to have some news later in the show. But, Chanda, this, this is a race, and, and throw in Jesse Pagula and throw in Rabakina that, that could seesaw a little bit over the next six months to a year. It could get a lot more interesting because what is coming up? Roland Garros. And that is where Sviantec has all of these points to defend and Sabalenka, not so many. And I think we'll see what kind of shift happens uh, at the end of that tournament as we, as we go through the two weeks. We'll see how well Sabalenka is able to do. But she is really pushing her way into the conversation and giving herself a chance potentially at that number one ranking sometime this year. So that will be interesting to see as well. Andy, one of the subtle tactical adjustments that Chanda and Mark Petchy noted during the match was that compared to Stuttgart two weeks ago, Sabalenka moved her return position back. She gave herself more time to get a look at both first and second serve, and it resulted in more powerful returns on both first and second. How key was that an adjustment in terms of what she accomplished today? Yeah, it was huge, and it was a smart adjustment, right? There's, there's no reason why uh, Sabalenka should ever feel rushed on a return because she can create the speed even if she gives up two or three feet uh, in court position. So I thought it was a great play. L listen, you never know how something's going to work until you you trot it out against the best in the world. But there was no reason not to try to give herself more room, not get caught. And it also takes away Sviatek's, uh options on the second serve. You know, someone steps in, they're inside the court. You can run it on their body a little bit more. You can kind of uh, try to force them to get T-Rex arms in that return a little bit. <laughs> you coast back you coast back three or four feet, and all of a sudden those arms get extended, and you can swing freely again. So credit to her team for making the adjustment. You think that it's probably going to work. You hope that it's going to work. And, man, it feels really good when it actually does work. Sabalenka extending her arms and hitting through a return. That's a scary proposition. That's what we saw a yep. lot of today. We're going to take a break here, come back with much more on this Saturday edition of TC Live. We will hear from Sabalenka with Prakash on the desk. It was her birthday yesterday. It was also Carlos Alcaraz's birthday yesterday. He's no longer a teen. So we'll look at the best of his teen years coming up on TC Live. Don't go anywhere. Just 15 days remaining along the road to Roland Garros, and this year's second major just around the corner. Tennis Channel will once again be your home for all the action in Paris. Daily live coverage from the City of Light begins Sunday, May 28th, 5 a.m. Eastern, continues through all 15 days of the tournament. Two weeks from tomorrow, it all kicks off. And according to our friends at FanDuel, Iga Sviantec is a massive favorite to lift the trophy again in Paris. They have her at minus 135, which means she is a better than 50% favorite to win the title over everybody else in the field. Sabalenka, Jabur, and Rabakina round out the top four picks. 
Guys, Shviantek is not just the favorite. Based on those numbers, she's, she's in the neighborhood of, like, Nadal type favorite from the prime of his career, uh, a 50% or more favorite over the field. Um, I guess if you win it twice in three years, that makes sense. Is, is, does, does any of what happened today, Andy, change your mind about that? Yeah, I think it, I think it definitely affects it because it, it says that Sabalenka is gaining on the matchup. Right. It doesn't mean that I think any less of Sviantec and and what she's able to do uh, on a clay court. It, it, it has to do with what this win does between Sabalenka's ears when she's actually thinking about the matchup on clay specifically uh, against Sviantec. But I, I still think Sviantec's the favorite. I still think she's uh, definitely the best clay court player uh, on earth. I think the conditions for her at Roland Garros get better. If it gets a little colder, it's a little bit more open air. Uh, all of these things, I think, help Sviatek uh, more than anyone else in the field. So, I, listen, I don't know about Rafa Nadal odds with her yeah. yet, but I still think she's the clear favorite at Roland Garros. Is she for you? Absolutely, yeah. But, I mean, you, you could see by the numbers. I mean, even for a novice like me with the numbers, I'm going to ask Andy to break it down. You're, you're, no, in, you're no Paul in, Anacom, in, lay, in layman's terms, but Sabalenka went from plus 1,100 to plus 650. So she got, is that better? Yeah, it for, is better. Better odds, right? Yeah. So she's a little more of a likely chance to win. So I'd say absolutely that is in fact, the case, when you look at how Sabalenka played today, when you look at how well uh, she was able to defend and go from defense to offense on the clay, even though it's different conditions at Roland Garros, she's got a better shot now. All right. Uh, I want to include Elena Rabakina in the conversation because it's, it, it's been Sviantec and Sabalenka the last couple of tournaments, but she has been a big part of the women's tennis conversation. Are we at a stage, Andy, in your mind, where we have a dominant big three in women's tennis who are a half a notch to a full notch above the rest, or are we not in that place? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think we're I think we're heading that direction. Certainly, I mean, when we talk about the rankings, we conveniently often uh, ignore the fact that Rabakina didn't get any points for winning Wimbledon, yes, so she's definitely in that conversation. She has uh, beaten Sabalenka at Indian Wells. I don't think she's uh, as much of the conversation on clay maybe similar to Sviatek not being as much of a conversation on grass, but I think that what's relevant to the Rabakina conversation is that I, I don't know that you can say her and Sabalenka aren't the favorites at Wimbledon this mm -hmm. year, right? We have to remember that Sabalenka didn't get a look at the basket there last year, and it's a it's a service that, you know, a year ago, two years ago, we would have said she prefers much more than Clay. So I love how this, this race for number one is heating up. I definitely think these are the three names that will be in the conversation uh, for this year. But um, listen, this is, this is exciting times. You know, I was... We were a, a little nervous, I think, when, uh, you know, we, we weren't seeing much of Osaka anymore. Barty retires out of nowhere. We're going, oh, my oh my gosh, maybe we won't have a true rivalry for a while. What, or for a while. What's going to happen? And all of a sudden, uh, these three women just take it to another level and make these conver conversations infinitely more intriguing and exciting. Uh, for the record, Sviantek not yet passed the round of 16 at Wimbledon. Yeah. Uh, Sabalenka, the last time she played in 2021, did make the semifinals. Are they the big three in women's tennis right now? Well, I think... I mean, we're maybe getting there. I mean, we can't forget about Ons Jabeur. I mean, she's been injured. I think she's absolutely put herself in the conversation with uh, getting to the final of Wimbledon with her ability on the clay, with the variety in her game. So, you know, we're looking to see where she'll bounce back fully uh, from, from the knee issues. But certainly the three you mentioned, 
when you look at Chfiantec, you look at Sabalinka, you look at Rubakina, those have been the three that have stepped up and started separating themselves uh, from the field a bit. And this will be another test, uh, certainly for Rubakina on this surface, on the red clay. Uh, but it's going to be fun to see how the rest of the year unfolds. And especially, as you to mention, getting to Wimbledon where, you know, there's a little more variation, maybe a little more of an advantage for Sabalinka and Rubakina as well. Two Grand Slam finals last year for Anz Jabour, uh, now number four in the world. Jesse Pagula probably also needs to be part of the conversation, yet to really break through at a major, though, even though that she's number three in the world. So, Chanda, where does Sabalenka go from here? Where can she still improve in her game? She's obviously got massive power. Andy's discussed how she's playing with much more margin. The confidence is sky high. She is a Grand Slam champion. I guess winning one is hard. Winning two is even harder. Yeah, I mean, that, of course, winning begets more winning, and that has to be where she's looking to go to right now to give herself a shot at all of these events to stay healthy. I mean, she has become a really good mover. I think that's something you continue to hone. The more balls she can get to, the more she can go from defense to offense, that's going to elevate uh, her game as well. And, of course, the serve. It is a big weapon, but as she continues, I think, to get even more confident in hitting her spots, those games can become even more automatic. And that's kind of scary when you look at the form she has now. So I think that's the fun part, to see where players are motivated to keep improving and getting a little bit better, even once they get uh, to the very top. All right. She's lifted her trophy. She's received her check. Now she gets to engage in the other tradition of winning on tour these days, and that is sitting down <laughs> on the Tennis Channel desk with Prakash Amitraj. Hey, Pete. Thanks so much, Habes. Arena. What an absolutely magnificent match today. The quality was so high. You sat here a couple days ago and I asked you, you know, who would you rather play? And you said, you know what? I want to play Iga. I want another shot. What were the adjustments you made coming in after Stuttgart? Well, yeah, as I said uh, on the press conference before before the match that I have to be patient. I have to uh, wait for a better shot to go for my um, heavy shot. So so I was kind of uh, trying to not overrush things and uh, it's really worked well today. And yeah, I'm super happy with the win, especially against Egon Clay. That's something special. And yeah, I'm super happy with the level and hopefully we, we're going to keep meeting each other in the finals uh, this season. I mean, I'm going to do everything I can to make it happen because I think it's it's really great that um, first two series of the tournament uh, reaches the finals. That's something amazing. It's something amazing, and it lived up to the hype. I mean, the match was just, we were all on, our, on the edge of our seats the whole time. When you're playing against Iga, do you feel there's a, there's a special, a bit of a different energy when you two are playing? Um, yeah, I think it's a different energy. It's a, it's a it's tough battle, and I know that anytime she can come back, and if uh, if I drop my level, she, she's gonna take the opportunity, and she's gonna come back. What she, what she actually did today, and um, yeah, I'm super happy that no matter what, I was able to keep fighting and keep trying. Let's talk a little bit about the match. It, it was so back and forth. Every time you were up, Iga fought back. In that third set, when you had the lead. And it got back to three all. What are you telling yourself to be able to keep your composure? I was just trying to forget first six uh, six games of the of the third set. Yeah, because I played unbelievable tennis first uh, three games. She came back really strongly in the in the next three games, and I was just like trying to clean my mind and start start everything from the, from the beginning. Really staying in the moment. Absolutely beautiful. Um, you're such an improved player in so many different aspects. We were all talking about it. Uh, don't know where you've improved the most. What are you most proud of? I'm proud of my um, 
mentality right now. I'm proud that no matter what I stay strong, no matter what I keep fighting, and I think this is the biggest improvement I've made. Iga has been such a dominant favorite on clay for some time now. Do you feel you really made a big statement with today's victory? Um, it's not like a big statement, but it really means a lot for me to beat Iga on, on clay court. I mean, I prove, I prove to myself that I, I can be a great uh, fighter on the clay and uh, I can win uh, big titles on the clay. That's, that's really important for me. Well, listen, you've proved to be a fighter on all the different surfaces. It doesn't matter which one you're on. Now, listen, we got you some cookies the other day. Yeah. You got a cake from the tournament. What's left? What on earth are you going to celebrate with tonight? <gasps> Let me think. I don't know. Probably pizza the next one. <laughs> Well, you're going to Rome next. You get plenty of pizza so, over there. Um, oh, yeah, actually, yes. You know what? I'm going to wait till <laughs> till tomorrow. Till tomorrow's pizza, pasta, and all Italian food. <laughs> all right. Well, listen, uh, we, whatever you do, we hope you have the absolute best time. You completely deserve it. Such a magnificent Thank performance you. today. Well done. Thank you, guys. Brett, you're Tiger champion over here. <laughs> She is a tiger, and she's got that ink right there on her arm. Uh, Andy, she, she said at the beginning when Prakash asked what the difference was between this and Stuttgart was, I, I had to be more patient. And, and we hear that answer, and you go, oh, okay, so be more patient. Easier said than done, right? And I think when you talked about her increased fitness and the commitment that she's made to the work that she's done, that's what's allowing her to be more patient, isn't it? Yeah, the, the way I digested what she said is basically I just need to really be on point with shot selection, right? Not not pulling the trigger too early, not feeling like because Iga is so good that I have to, you know, be even better. It's more just having confident, uh, confidence in her weight of shot, which is, which is always there, the margins there. Hey, listen, it's okay if I hit a shot and Iga beats me sometimes. That shouldn't cause me to go uh, into a panic, but... I also just like kind of the, the the honesty with 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 how she's dealing with everything right now. It's like, listen, Stuttgart didn't work. We had to make an adjustment. I didn't, and it all seems, you know, in all we can hope for as tennis players in our best moments is, is clarity, and she has a lot of clarity right now. All right, so off to Rome. They head. She'll get her pizza and her pasta, and, and who knows, maybe a rematch because they played each other these two last year in the semifinals of Rome. That was a six-two, six-one win for Sviantec. Hard to believe that that would be the scoreline if they met there again this year. Still more to come on TC Live on this Saturday. Don't forget the Sunday schedule. Doubles final on the women's side tomorrow, 9.30 a.m. Eastern as Coco Goff and Jesse Pagula go for their third title of the year. Then the men's singles as Alcaraz takes on the lucky loser, Jan Lennard Struff. And then TC Live wraps up the day once again with Steve and Jim and Andy and Mark Petchy. We will be back with more in just a moment. Back on TC Live, one trophy handed out earlier today in Madrid men's doubles final featuring old friends Andre Rublev, Karen Hatchinoff, taking on Matt Ebden and Rohan Bopan. Yeah, and this is a fun match, a lot of power, big hitting, and Bopana tried for the forehand there, couldn't quite get around, and it was Hatchinoff and Rublev with an opportunity, and they took it strong up at the net, made some coaches when they needed to, and good friends playing together, that's a good formula. It would go to the match tiebreak. 
But it was the Russian duo getting off to a quick start, playing from the ground. That's been a big change in doubles, but it works. And on these courts, it was that advantage for Rublev and Hatchinov. A huge first <laughs> title for this team together. Hatchinov did a little Fred Flintstone run in place there like he was starting his car. First title together for the Russian duo that go back to childhood together. First career doubles title for Hatchinov, which Rublev reminded everybody of in their post-match press. I cannot imagine how much he was giving me because I was winning titles with another partners and he was with saying, Aslan, oh yeah, Dennis, uh, yeah. someone else with uh, other guys and he was giving me a lot of uh, that I was, uh, with, you win with everyone but uh, as soon as you play once you win with everyone and then uh, with me you never win yes. and uh, in the end now I win the biggest one, <laughs> I, keep, I, I keep the biggest one for you. <laughs> Andy, Andre Rublev has become the low-key funniest interview on tour. Uh, he, he's reliable at this point, Brett. I mean, he, 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 you, you, you're, you're going to—you you, you may not know what's coming, but but something's going to come out of it. He, you can ask a lazy question to him, and you're going to get some good content right now. I'll tell you that. All right, we don't normally show challenger highlights, but when the draw is as good as it's been in Aix-en-Provence this week in France, we have to. Andy Murray semis today against the Frenchman Harold Maillot, Andy. Yeah, and, and listen, this whole week, Brett, seeing him react to winning points, seeing him react to winning matches. It's the same reaction as, as when he was in the semis and finals uh, of Grand Slams. Anyone who asked the question, why are you still playing, just needs to roll the tape uh, from this week with this legend of the game, first ballot Hall of Famer, Wimbledon champion, playing a challenger in France and acting as if it is the Roland Garros final. I love what Andy Murray is doing. I admire and respect his passion for the game. And I hope he can get. I hope he can sneak out a win this week, Brad. It would be would be a pretty fun story. It would be a curious footnote to a Hall of Fame career that Andy Murray now has a chance to win his first Challenger title since 2005, <laughs> when he won in Binghamton, New York. Chandy plays Tommy Paul, who's the top seed in this tournament. Who's the favorite in that match tomorrow? Uh, I, I love this matchup, by the way. So good to see Andy Murray playing this kind of tennis and loving it. But I think Tommy Paul may have just a little too much on the clay for Murray. But I think this will be a battle. I think Murray gives himself a good shot, but I got a favor for Tommy Paul. Tommy Paul, Roland Garros Jr. champion. He knows his way around the clay. Time for the social net on this Saturday. What players are saying and doing on social media. Uh, Amanda Anasimova making the announcement that she is going to take a break away from the tour to address her mental and emotional health says that she's been struggling since last summer. Uh, Chandy, your reaction to this news? No, I think it's absolutely critical that Amanda Anasimova take care of herself. I mean, we have been, you know, so amazed and have enjoyed the tennis she's played from such an, an early age. Whenever she is healthy and able to play, she's a contender in just about every event. And so I think, you know, we've seen she's struggled on the court, clearly struggling a bit off as well. And this, I think, is very good for her to be making this decision and taking control of what she needs. Yeah, and not an easy decision to make, obviously, with uh, having to send out something to the public to admit, hey, I'm struggling a little bit and I need time to myself to actually figure out uh, what's going on. We spend a lot of time as athletes on our bodies, fixing injuries. 
why not be able to invest on the mental side of things? I'm glad this conversation uh, is becoming uh, a little bit uh, more common. Um, it's something that when I was playing, I had this insecurity uh, about missing time, like everything would fall apart. But if we've learned anything from the greats of our game, whether it's Roger taking time off, whether it's Rafa skipping the last four months of a year, whether it's our, our, our magical women who come back after childbirth and play at a high level again, it's not going to disappear if you take some time for yourself, and I applaud her for doing this. All right, let's move on. Uh, Jack Sock uh, took this week off from tennis, but just because he was playing another sport, he made his uh, single individual tournament pickleball debut at the PPA tournament in North Carolina. He won a match in singles, Andy. He... Uh, let's see, he lost his first match in doubles with Tyson McGuffin, but he's in the final tomorrow with Annalie Waters, who's the best female player in the world, as our resident pickleball expert, having played in the pickleball <laughs> slam. <laughs> he said with a wink. Uh, is Jack, is Jack going to be good at this? Yeah, I mean, I, the, 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 while I was preparing for this little Johnson to pickleball, I would talk to some of the pros, and they say he's basically a phenom, right? It's, it's there for the taking as soon as he... He wants to commit to it. I mean, you're watching these highlights, and it's, it's, it's. I mean, it looks a little bit too easy for him. Uh, but I mean, can you imagine someone coming in, uh, playing tennis as a hobby, and then going and beating someone who's top 20 in the world in their first ever match? Uh, it's absurd. It's not really that surprising uh, from what I've seen. But I mean, look at this shot between the legs, lob. This is, uh, and then the put away. That 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 looks filthy to me, Brett. What do you think? I don't know much about pickleball, but what I have seen, from what I've seen, it's really hard to hit outright winners the way Jack Sock seems to be doing on some of these points. I mean, he is crushing the ball. Is this normal? I mean, Andy, you're, you're more of an expert than we are here at pickleball. Is this normal? It's, uh, I, I don't think it's normal for someone that's never played an event before. Um, it, it's absurd. I mean, you see the like the footwork there. I mean, listen, if I'm if I'm the head of the marketing team for Pro Pickleball, I'm trying to convince Jack. Hey, listen, let's maybe take a break on singles. Let's fill those weeks with pickleball. Let's win Wimbledon and doubles one week, and then try to win the U.S. Open and pickleball the next week. That's a marketer's dream. That's what should happen. And I I, I, I won't even take credit for it. You can pretend like it's your idea. But so before we get over our skis, someone gave me the, a really apt phrase. I think about pickleball for club players like us. It's an easy sport to pick up. It's a very hard sport to master and be elite at. Can we, can we leave it there and have both the tennis people and the pickleball people not be mad at us? Here's our next social media. Th How do we feel about the robot tennis ball delivery system? Because Cater Nooney looked scared to death by a champ. I was a little creeped out as well. I'm going to be honest when I saw it. And, and when it kind of pranced there in place, I was like, is it going to kick him? Is it good? I mean, what's happening here? But everything worked out, uh, and it was the balls being brought uh, very nicely, which I think is, is good. Did we need it? I'm not sure. But it's got to it be it's, interesting. It's got to be sponsor-related, right, Andy? I mean, someone's making money off of it. I don't know. I tried to come up with a quick list of, uh, of things I care less about, and I couldn't come up with a single thing, Brett. We'll try, we'll try to come up with it. I'm sure there's a few. We could, And I'm sure we've covered them on this show, but we'll have to check the archives time. for uh, what those topics might be. Uh, it's yeah. time to switch gears and take a look at Chanda's uh, FanDuel pick of the day. For the women's final, Chanda, you said Iga Sviantek would win, so you're minus 10 Chanda bucks 
on this. What do you have to say for yourself? I was wrong. <laughs> I was, but I have to say, I mean, watching that match, I've never been so happy to be wrong, actually, because it was mm -hmm. a treat all the way around. But Prakash did pick Arena Sabalenka, and I want to give a shout out to him and say, well done. You were on it. All right, but you've got a chance to make up your Chanda Bucks tomorrow in the men's final. Huge opportunity to make money if you pick Jan Lennart Struff, the lucky loser, over Carlos Alcaraz. Are you ready to make that pick? I've been told by Andy I need to make more of these picks, Brett. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for him to tell me again. But I can't. I cannot in this match. I, I would love to say Struff uh, can pull this off. I think it may be just a little too much for him having to come through qualifying. He was the lucky loser. He's had these emotional wins. Even the match against uh, this the last match uh, that he just won. I think he started to just get a little fatigued mentally, emotionally. I think that will come into play. So we'll see what kind of effort he's able to give and if he can really go toe-to-toe -to -toe and give himself a shot. But got to go with Alcaraz. Chanda, do you know who won the only time Struth and Alcaraz played each other on clay? I do. Who, who won? Struth. More on that. That's a teaser. More on that coming up when uh, <laughs> Prakash and Danny look at the match. We'll take a break here. When we come back, speaking of Carlitos Alcaraz, uh, oh, by the way, I do have to mention that FanDuel is giving all new users 10 times your first bet in bonus bets up to $200. Win or lose, download the FanDuel Sportsbook app now and start making every moment more. Now I can tell you that Carlitos is around the corner with his top five ever teenage shots, and you may want to roll the DVR for this one. Andy will care about this segment. <laughs> Oh, they grow up so quickly, don't they? Yesterday was birthday number 20 for Carlos Alcaraz. Feli Lopez got him that cake. He got Arena Sabalenka a much smaller cake. But he also got Holger Runa a small cake earlier in the week, so we're told that gender bias is not a factor here. Send your cards and emails to Feliciano Lopez, care of the Mutual of Madrid Open. But since he's no longer a teenager, we thought we'd give you the top five shots from Carlitos's teenage years. Andy, we start with number five from the next-gen finals two years ago against Brandon Nakashima. Yeah, this seems like a lifetime ago, but uh, I mean, the speed has always been there. I mean, look how fast he's able to get from corner to corner. Sliding on an indoor court makes absolutely no sense. You should not be able to do that at such a young age. But I mean, look at the athleticism, throwing his body everywhere. Is absolutely insane, and this was a preview of things to come. We knew he was special. I don't know that any of us would have predicted what the two years or the year 18 months since this highlight had looked like, but I mean, that is just absurd using the opposite side of the racket. And by the way, in this highlight from 18 months ago, he looks like a kid, his body looks like a man now. He is strong, he has grown, he is bigger. The speed and feel have always been there, Brett. This is number four, Chanda, from Roland Garros last year against Ramos Vignolos. Uh, I mean, another ridiculous point that Carlos Alcaraz stole. I mean, the slide and the balance and the little flick one-handed up the line. And look, he's like, let, let me hear it. Let me hear it. That was great. And you got to give it to me. But amazing control of his body and just beautiful stuff. I mean, I look at some of these highlights, and I got to see it in slow motion sometimes to even see the ball. It is that good. That, that was six months after those next-gen finals, Andy, and already his body was, was morphed into totally. a more physical beast, and it was the same deal pretty much by Miami for number three against Tsitsipas. 
Yeah, and at this point, you know, he's 20 in the world. We know this is when he started consistently beating these guys and being becoming the favorite in these matchups. But uh, from the back of the court to the front of the court, and I'm going to hit a topspin lob with a between-the-leg shot. Oh, and by the way, I might as well finish it off with some death touch. Sitsipas is going, wait a minute, I'm supposed to be the next guy. Is this guy going to leapfrog me into existence here? But watch this. Yes. You know, he's probably closing. I'm gonna hit this a lot. I wouldn't. I, I would have tried to hit it and not fall down. That would have been a successful take for me. But then also to actually come on, whatever. This it's just absurd. All right, here's uh, Alcaraz and foe at the Open Gym. Uh, of course, just keeps getting better. And you're talking about a, playing against a shot maker in Francis Tiafoe. He usually has the final word in these kinds of rallies, but unbelievable. Again, Carlos Alcaraz showing the incredible control, the balance, the feel, hitting these shots behind him at a full slide. I mean, that stuff. How do you do that on a hard court? Don't know. Breaking ankles left and right for just about everybody else. He would become a Grand Slam champion a few days later. But number one was from the same tournament against Yannick Sinner. We're calling this the point of his teams, Andy. I, I, was this match any good, Brett? I don't remember. This is in stride perfectly, and then the sliding back end. I don't even know where to start. It's like you can, every through every one of these highlights, you can hear the crowd get crazier and crazier as he does something. He hits the square. He was actually trying to hit it that way. And then, oh, by the way, I might as well just do this to finish it off. I mean, listen, we're, I, I can't wait for the next 15 years with this guy. Amen. Uh, unbelievable. This is just so much fun to watch. Amen. All of that as a teenager, what is still to come? In terms of him in the final tomorrow against Stroof, they've met twice before. And as we alluded to a little while ago, Stroof has won two of the meetings. In fact, he won the meeting on clay, Roland Garros, two years ago. Granted, uh, Carlitos was just past his 18th birthday at that point. Carlitos returned the favor with a five-set win at Wimbledon last summer. For more on tomorrow's showdown, let's check in with our team on the scene, Damian Prakash. Thanks, Brett. Back at our FanDuel desk, Pete, they've split their head-to-head. -head. Carlos Alcaraz, obviously the, the defending champion here. Jan Leonard Struff going to try and stop him from defending that title. What's going to happen? Well, well, the good news for us is if Carlos wins, everyone loves cheering for him. If not, we get a lucky loser winning a Masters 1000. Wouldn't that be something? Look, I think Struff can take a lot from that head-to-head -head that we just saw. Five sets he went down at Wimbledon last year and actually has a win over him on clay previously. So I think he's got to pull on a little bit of that. Carlos, obviously, a completely different player by Miles, the favorite. But Struff does have the firepower. Just a question, can he keep it up for two out of three sets here in Spain? One thing we know for sure, it's going to be an electric atmosphere looking forward to Championship Sunday here in Madrid. All right, guys, we look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Andy, no lucky loser has ever made the final of a Masters 1000 before. Are you prepared to make the upset pick tomorrow? I am not prepared to make that pick. And I listen, I know we say he has a win over him on clay. I don't care what happened two years ago. It's a completely different game now. Credit to Struve. He has been so much fun. He has been so opportunistic uh, with his tennis this week and so committed to the game that he likes to play. He is going to have to serve 97% first serves to not get into trouble on his on his serve and to go through those paces. Uh, I will, however, if I'm if I'm Juan Carlos Ferrer, I'm going, hey, you know what, Carlos? Check the brakes. This guy beat you on clay. I don't believe that that result matters, but I'm going to pretend like I do if I'm Juan Carlos Ferrero to make sure that uh, Carlos stays in the moment. Never had a problem with that. He's always there. But I like Alcaraz going away tomorrow. What do you think, Shanna? 
Yeah. I know you've already made your pick. I kind of made my pick. But how would you game plan against Alcaraz if you were on Team Struff? Well, I think he's got to try to crash the boards at times. I mean, that's where he's played his mm -hmm. best tennis. He serves big. He gets in so quickly, Struff. So I think he can create some havoc out there. Can he do it consistently enough? It's difficult to get inside the court sometimes against Alcaraz. Mm -hmm. But if anybody can, I think it is Struff on this surface. Does he have the, the energy, the juice left? I think that for me is the question. It's been a lot of tennis, a lot of emotional wins. And, you know, this would be another huge one. All right, we'll find out together live on Tennis Channel 2. Tomorrow, Jim Courier, Mark Pesci will have the call. That's going to do it for us on this edition of TC Live. For Andy back home, Chanda in the studio, Danny and Prakash and Madrid and all of our crews around the world. I'm Brett Haber. Thanks for being with us, and we will see you tomorrow for Championship Sunday. Another set of congratulations to Arena Sabalenka, who flips the script from Stuttgart and wins in Madrid.